Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall. Today I am joined by a very special guest. He's been with us before, again, uh, somebody who has spoken to Ray and not me, so this is exciting for me. Because I don't, you, I don't usually get to talk to the people that are animators or voice actors or things of that nature. So this is this is kind of special for me, Mister Kennedy Phillips. How you doing, Kennedy? Hello, folks, and hello, sir. Thanks for having me. Oh, you don't have to call me, sir. I work for a living. Uh, <laughs> well, if you say it like that, fine. <laughs> Sorry, it's the uh, ex-military Emmy. So. Kennedy, of course, the first thing I've got to ask, uh, again, like like I said in the intro, I don't really get to speak to a whole lot of animators or, or people who work in animation or, or voice acting and, and things of that things like that. So how did you even get involved? Like what 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 drew you to this job choice? Well, ever since I was a young little lad, I always had aspirations for grand adventures and the like in towards of making productions. I always I always really loved uh, animation and cartoons. Uh, when my parents had approached me when I was like, what, uh, six years old, like five or six years old, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I saw um, an episode of The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh on, on TV, and I pointed, I said, I want to do that. <laughs> um uh, I, in general, I just, I wanted to be in movies. I wanted to be in cartoons. I wanted to work on that kind of stuff. That was the the world I wanted to be a part of. But unfortunately I, I can't really draw, but, um, I, I thought that that was going to be a death knell for me going into that industry that you needed to draw if you wanted to be in cartoons. I mean, what kind of self-respecting cartoonist doesn't know how to draw if they're going to be going into the cartooning industry? So, um, for a while I, I went into film school and those other things, but recently I had started making a push towards animation after I finished working on my audio drama, which got a lot of really strong praise. And, um, I met up with a gentleman named Matt Braley who, uh, worked as an animatic artist over at the, over at star versus the forces of evil, which was a series on, on Disney at the time. Okay. And he and I went to the same college together and I asked him if he knew any animators that could help me make my audio drama into a cartoon. And he introduced me to the absolutely wonderful, wonderfully talented, uh, Nicholas Cole Jordan, Zachary Paulus and Shannon Merv Allen, uh, who all three of them helped me construct my first animated pit, uh, first animated short for Magus Elgar, which turned into bridge. And love that episode. I, what was <laughs> What was really amazing about it was that they had revealed to me that they were working on Hasman Hotel, which I had been following for about a year and a half because I had been a huge fan of Vivzy Pop ever since she'd done all these music videos. Uh, she she's most she was originally most famous for doing this uh, music video of Kesha 
uh, her song Die Young, where she had this really cute uh, werewolf character dancing around and having a party. <laughs> uh, and it has like 48 million views on on YouTube. It's crazy. Nice. But uh, the Has Been Hotel was like this this new ambitious project she was working on completely independent. She had like 75 animators working with her and tons of people. But um, uh, they, they had revealed to me that the, the sound designer – was also the composer. And I was like, well, she's going to, the composer's going to have her hands full making the music. So I offered my services to jump in and they showed them, uh, Magus Elgar and, and the animated bridge, uh, short that I did. And she signed me on lickety split. And we, we just hit the ground running. Well, let me, let me just clarify, uh, one part, the, the, the Magus Elgar, you said you weren't an artist, but did you, you were the one that did animate that, correct? No, uh, I was the director, I was the writer, and I was the sound designer. Okay. Um, I, I spoke I spoke to my animators who helped me design the characters, who helped me uh, flesh out what I wanted them to look like um, and plan things out. As it turns out, uh, now that I've spent a lot of time in the animation industry talking to professionals and other things like that, there's a surprising amount of people in the animation industry who are even running shows who have never been able to draw ever. Um, like the, the main creator for the Netflix series, big mouth. Uh, he was a writer for animation, but he, he's never done. He's never been an animator himself. That's, that's absolutely fair. Um, but <laughs> when I started doing this, uh, pod podcasting thing, I started on YouTube before discovering that you can actually have audio formats. Um, so trial and error is I was the one that designed all the graphics and everything else. And I, I'm the furthest thing from a, a, an animator or an artist. Like, like you said, I can't even draw a stick figure, right? So it, it amazes me to hear stories like that, that even though there, there wasn't really a background in, in hand art, if you will, that you were still able to achieve your goal and dream. That's really awesome to me. Yeah, I, I've been I've been wanting to pursue this for a really long time, and it's it's not easy. It's not easy wanting to to do that because you know trying to pay the bills and trying to do your day job and stuff like that. You, you have to really take a risk because I when I made Magus Elgar uh, the animated portion and even like the the audio drama, I I paid it out of pocket. I had been saving up ever since I had gotten into college. Um, cause I knew at some point when I was done, I was, uh, with, with school, I would want to go and do something that was mine. Right. And, and initially I, I had almost contemplated about giving up on the industry initially. Cause when I, when I got out of college, um, I had a couple of gigs, but they, they didn't pay very well. And some were, some were just flat out scams. Um, I I had been scammed out of like thousands of dollars trying to find a job that I could be loyal to. And it was deeply frustrating. Um, but I also had learned something very important during that time. And that was that I had always thought that being a director, being a creator had this sacrosanct instinct, this, this, uh, transcendent talent that came with it. That, oh, you wouldn't be a director unless you had, like, the experience to, to manage people, to figure out what it is to make those visions. And I, I had come to the conclusion, most, most people don't know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, you're not wrong. Most people like there were so many times where I'd be on a project where like the director was so scatterbrained or just didn't have a clear image of what he wanted that I kept thinking in the back of my head, my God, I could do better than this. <laughs> so as a final experiment to myself, I said, you know what? I, I have a very intrinsic understanding of sound design. That's like my, my bread and butter. That's the thing that I'm the best at. Right. I'm going to make something that's emphatically mine, something of my creation, something that doesn't require me like getting a whole massive team of filmmakers together to do. And I'm going to try and direct for myself. And it took me about two, three years to get Mega Selgar off the ground because I was, I was trying to produce it while I was simultaneously uh, doing, making ends meet, doing whatever job I can get my hands on and also being really apprehensive. There, there was a lot of things that I did very slowly because I wasn't sure about myself. Right. And then a lot of the project, I, I, I had maybe like uh, three or four technicians working with me. Um, but for the most part, I, I, I was doing, I was, you know, spearheading much of the project. And when I walked away from it, we got nominated for like best original work by the audio publisher association. We got nominated for best writing for best sound design for best, uh, leading b- best supporting actress, uh, Sandra Espinoza's Kaylee Fawn by the Audioverse awards. Uh, we got, we actually won an award for one of our trailers of all things. Nice. <laughs> uh, we got a telly award for the birth of magic, which was part of a primer series that explained how magic and, and everything in our world works. Oh, wow. Um, wow. which you can see on YouTube with whenever you want. They're, they're, they're very nifty and they're narrated by yours truly playing as Magus Serling Tenthorn. Because that's what you want to see when you want to get uh, go onto YouTube is be entertained by having people explain very dry, boring facts about magic to your face. You'd be surprised. I've seen people watching those uh, ASMR videos or or some of the most mundane things on the planet. You know, there, there's an audience for everything. <laughs> but no, I mean that that is absolutely amazing to me. I mean, you, you the 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 best description I can come up with, like the best way I could even articulate uh, how much this impresses me is it, it, it parallels very much to Kevin Smith in my mind. Oh boy. Well, if, if you want, uh, I imagine that a lot of people here don't know what, what that, what this show is about. I can tell you if you like, please, please do. So Magus Elgar is about two magic casters from the magical world of hearth who discover a brand new form of magic from the dimension of earth called science to better understand it. They travel to earth and meet a quantum scientist and accidentally pull all of his equipment into the magical world of hearth where they take on magical properties. Now they team up with, um, the quantum scientist and his assistant to find a way to diffuse these scientific tools augmented with magical power or stamps for short before all of reality breaks apart, or at least before people find out it was their fault. (laughs) See, I was, I was sold on that when you told me that the other night, um, that that's absolutely amazing. But what I, what I meant by, what I meant by the parallel to Kevin Smith was, uh, pretty much somebody who didn't believe in himself, but had a, had a vision and a dream and, and, you know, took instead of taking the blows and saying, you know what, I give up, you know, took the bull by the horns and, and did it his own way, his own thing. 
and look where he's at. And it's, it, it, I'm hearing the exact same thing out of, out of you. That that was the parallel I was trying to draw. But mm. en- enough enough about that. Let's let's continue on with the other shows besides uh, Magnus Algar. You also have uh, has been Hotel. That's right. Um, I I had worked with uh, Vivian Madrano uh, for Hell of a Boss and Has Been Hotel, uh, both of which I did the sound design for. Uh, it's probably one of the biggest, most ambitious projects I've ever been attached to, and that's even including my own. Um, because uh, Viv wanted to do this without the support of like a major studio or anything like that. And that was for, for something of this scope being posted on YouTube of this detail of this quality, it was unprecedented, uh, especially with how like the feedback that she was getting from it and getting the, the, the privilege to work on the sound design for it was truly a delight. I, I cannot tell you how, exciting it was to be a part of that journey to talk with these absolutely wonderful talented people um something that had happened during the production was you know like when you get close to the end of a of a project people start getting really bogged down and they start getting tired they start it, it gets very difficult to keep going right um and i when i when i joined on the project there was about maybe a month or two to go to get everything all done and i could tell that like uh, viv was exhausted uh, all of the writers were exhausted all of the the animators were exhausted they were doing work night and day like these ridiculous 16 hour shifts and it was just from the the sheer passion they had for that project they wanted to hit it by the end of this before the end of this year right. they wanted to hit it in october so what I started doing while, while I was working on Hasbin Hotel was while I'm doing my sound design, I would take a clip from the show that I had finished sound designing and throw it up on our, our group chat uh, that we were all attached to. Okay. And the morale pulled a 180. Like everybody started getting excited again. They started getting really, really into it. Like they were waiting like some people were waiting for me every night to like show more clips of the show and how much these jokes landed when there was like a lot of sound design behind it right like uh i think even viv told me during our final mix session she said i've been watching this cartoon for like a year and a half now i i started to hate it and this is the first time I've been laughing at these jokes again that I've been so into it again. You've made me fall in love with this project again. That's and awesome. He- hearing that is just such a heartwarming experience. That's that's awesome. So is it, is the project done? I mean, are there no further episodes coming or Well, right right now they're they're I can't say too much of where it's going to go. I know they're in talks about trying to get this show picked up. I know that there's been discussion about hell of a boss trying to stay on YouTube, which is a much more constrained experience. Uh, it's, it's a lot more focused. It's a lot simpler. Right. Um, like you could even tell in my sound design that I, I really pulled back cause, uh, has been hotel. I went, I went all out almost to Icarus levels of (laughs) magnitude. (laughs) And I got, I got a lot of criticism for that. And that's, that's fair. Like, uh, doing sound design for animation is a completely different beast from doing it for audio dramas or, or even like live action recordings. Cause 
you're not sound designing based on the realism of what's happening. You're, you're sound designing based on the emotion of what's happening. Well, maybe maybe we could dig in a little bit to to what exactly for some people to what exactly you mean by sound designing. Like, give okay. give, give me a typical scene where 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 your expertise and, and talents would really come into play. Okay, so there's a um, in one of the biggest in one of the more over the top overblown scenes uh, in Hasbin Hotel. We have a character named Serpentius. He's this uh, snake guy who's also like a a very transparently Saturday morning cartoon villain okay. who has a bunch of these like cartoonish looking eggs and everything he says is just hammed up to the umpteenth degree. He is absolutely ridiculous. He's voice acted by a guy named Stamper who does absolutely incredible work because he is just all kinds of crazy and I love him for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, like if you, if you look up a, uh, uh, the opening of a cart of a, uh, video game called battle block theater, he does the, this amazing intro. That was one of the funniest things I've heard him do. But anyway, a character like that, there is a lot of cartoony expectation behind him. Okay. Um, and with a lot of cartoons back in the day, like in, in the forties, fifties, sixties, uh, a lot of goofy sound effects really sold the point of what was going on with the characters exactly uh, in, terms of prat, in terms of pratfalls, in terms of reactions, in terms of emotional state. The characters are larger than life, so the sound design needs to reflect that. Right. But then there's also things that uh, kind of clue you in psychologically. Like when you hear certain sounds in, in a cartoon environment, there are certain expectations that go through your head of, oh, this is what I'm thinking about when I'm hearing this character talk. Like, uh, for example, uh, all these eggs are running around just talking nonstop to the guy, giving him praises and, and trying to get his attention and trying to get his favor. And it, it, to me, while I was looking at that, it's, that sounds like a bunch of like, uh, what is it? Housewives all crooning at each other and gabbing and so on and so forth, which to an extent sound like a bunch of chickens balking at each other, right. which they're eggs. So that fits well too. So adding that, that the, the, the chicken sounds as they're talking like, like really a little bit lower on the, on the region lets you think about, okay, that's the emotion that they're portraying here. And it adds a little bit of humor to it. Okay, so so basically, like I'm I'm thinking like the old Looney Tunes cartoons where you you see the behind the scenes where you're like you're the guy clopping the uh, the 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 dance shoes, the tap shoes on on wooden boards and and using the hand cranks and the uh, pop whistles and well, there's a um, there's actually a bit of a division there for it because uh, there's when when you're doing sound design it's actually a couple of jobs there's dialogue editing where you're making sure that all the characters sound like they're speaking out of the people that are in the scene right um, making sure that they sound like they're in the world uh, there's foley where you're getting footsteps clothing rustle uh, hard effects like uh, picking up an object or like playing around with something stuff like that like I'm I'm, I'm holding this uh, eyeglass case right now and it makes an interesting noise of like if someone's opening a case or something right. Um, and then there is an extra dynamic that cartoons have, which is the cartoon sound design. The cartoon sound design is completely separate from, uh, the real stuff that's happening in the world and is more trying to appeal to the emotional side. This is like anything from pratfalls to characters making silly noises in the back or, or like, uh, 
goofy twangs and boings and bounces and stuff right to make it sound very clear in that zone uh, a good example of this um there are two cartoons that i think of well there are three cartoons that i think of that do this really well that make it its own character in the story uh invader zim uh ed and Nettie, okay and courage the cowardly dog all of these are very over the top in their sound design, but they exist as their own character in the story to the point where like you hear Rocco from Rocco's modern life. His shoes have a very iconic sound, right? They, they have this like squeaky quality to it. But if you hear those footsteps, you know, it's him walking as opposed to other characters, right? He's as opposed to other characters. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas invaders in there's uh, everybody's very twitchy, very snappy. They're, they're all over the place. They are, over the top to the umpteenth degree where people are like screaming and doing other stuff. And there's just bizarre sounds that keep happening. Like some, some are like insects crawling. Other things are like, uh, pigs squealing, even though there's no pig on screen. <laughs> and then there's Ed and Nettie, which brings it to its logical extreme where if you think about the premise of Ed and Nettie, it's just about a bunch of kids at a, in a cul-de-sac in the suburbs Right. Which sounds like the blandest thing ever, but the way these characters move, the way these characters react, they're very bendy, they're very squishy in how they move around, that if there was any pratfalls that hit them because of the squishy nature of their animation, they wouldn't leave much of an impact. So they, they accentuate it by adding like the sound of like a car crash or a horse or uh, a sumo wrestler screaming as they get hit. And it really adds to the comedy of that dynamic. Now, Ed and Nettie is a very specific example about that because uh, if you go, if you do that for a different kind of animation, it's too much. Like it, it draws away from the animation. Right. Which there were moments in Hasbun Hotel where I might have, I, I, I definitely might have gotten a little carried away in some places. But we we discussed <laughs> it and figured out what we want to do to find that balance. That was the real challenge is finding a good balance while maintaining that style of like Rocco's modern life or invader Zim or, or those cartoons from yesteryear that we all grew up with. Okay. Well, I, you know, I've got to ask what are some of your favorite sounds to use, especially ones that you find over the top, but it's just like, and I really want to, you know, I'm almost envisioning like, I really want to hit this button, you know, type, type sound effect <laughs> or, or, Fun. Whatever. Funny enough, um, there are tons of sound effect libraries, <sighs> Warner Brothers to Hanna-Barbera, uh, that are that are classic. They are cartoon sounds that you expect, that you expect to hear in a cartoon because they've just been so ingrained in our uh, universal language of what an animation is. Uh, you, you hear these cartoons that, that have made these sound effects. These sound effects go as far back as like the 1940s and they're still being used. It's kind of like the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. You know what I mean by that, right? Oh, of course. I'm I'm a nerd. My, <laughs> my favorite sounds are the ones where I can take where I can actually build. My favorite ones are always the ones that I get to build. Um for example, um at the very end of Hasbin Hotel, uh this little character named Nifty gets hit by a by a door. Okay. And she just goes rocketing off the screen. And uh, that was the sound of me taking a sledgehammer to a car door and combining that with like, uh, hitting a pipe and also having me scream. Like I actually did like a Tom and Jerry style scream in that and pitched it up to match, uh, 
to, to match that nifty was like this cute little uh, bug girl um okay. that, that was one of my favorite bits to to build because it uh the the joke was already fairly strong but when you heard the sound of her getting hit it made it so much stronger Okay, so now I'm getting it. Now I'm getting it. I'm, I'm as I'm listening to you. I'm envisioning uh, from a documentary I saw on Star Wars, uh, Empire Dreams, where they they were showcasing uh, Ben Burrett running around creating sounds for for the universe that you know had never been. And as as you were describing, banging a sledge against the car door, it's like that. That's exactly it. Yeah, like I've got like tools right here that I, I use all the time. Like one of my favorite sounds that I got to build for for Hasbin Hotel was a uh, when you first come into he- the the clock tower at the very start of the of the show. Right. Um, I use this. Uh, I actually have it right here. Let me pull it up real quick. I have this meditation bowl that I used and just did this. Oh, nice. Um, and I, I messed around with that in the program to, to make it sound a lot better. And I combined it with some, some church organs and pitched and like had those like slow down and sound messed up. Um, but in terms of sound effects that I can't wait to use, there is one sound effect that is probably one of my favorite, <clears throat> one of my favorites. Cause I got probably the biggest laugh I've ever gotten in a cartoon. <laughs> um, just, just from the sound effect. Uh, and that was from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, are you familiar with the show? Uh, the, the the actual show, not the not the yes. horrible movie. Yes, yes. So in like season one or or something, uh, they go to the Earth Kingdom, and they run into this this animal that's like this this uh, duck chicken. Like they they just all the all the animals in it are like a combination of just two very typical animals brought together right and this duck thing turns around and looks at Sokka and the sound it makes it just makes one quack at it but it's the funniest quack I've ever heard and I've been trying to recreate it because <laughs> it sounds along the lines of just, <laughs> just it's just really funny to listen to just this duck staring at him being like what are you looking at <laughs> oh my god oh my god yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, please. So, so I made one of my own for for Hasbin, and uh, I I even like use it in Hell of a Boss at some point. I think. Nice, but it's it's fun because you get uh, you have to think how it would fit emotionally in the scene just as well as literally. Because there's a lot of sound effects where it comes in, and you're like, eh, that doesn't that doesn't feel right. You, you uh, the sound effect placement is really important. Because it can, if you use the wrong one, it can make the joke fall flat. I was just about to ask, uh, have, have you had any times uh, where you where like you've seen a scene or or whatever, and it's like, oh, I've got the perfect sound effect for that, and you start putting it together and you put it to the to to you know sync up to the to the scene, and as you hear it, it's just like, no, that's not going to work at all. As a matter of fact, yeah. Um... I know I keep using Hasbin Hotel as like the reference for it, but it's because it's like really fresh on my mind as well as Helva. Um, but there's a scene where Alistair, uh, the radio demon, and uh, Husker, this this uh, casino cat griffin thing, uh, are talking to each other. And I I went as far as I to to test this. I went as far as I could 
where every single motion had a sound effect to it, literally every single one. And if you listen to the final version, it didn't stay that way because uh, it was <laughs> way, too, it was way too much. Um, but the character like doing each motion stuff that didn't work, you could really feel like it almost feels like a distraction. Right. Um, something that I had to be very wary of is that like, there's a lot of characters moving in these scenes in cartoons. And if you're, if you're sound designing a character that's like way in the background, the sound effect is not going to be attached to your awareness of what it is. You're, you're like, if a character's like wall, if like a character's making like boinging sounds in the back, but the focus is on a character in the foreground, you're like, what the hell is that boinging sound? Why, why is that here? Right. You're looking, you're looking for it instead of paying attention to the character in the forefront. Yeah, like a a great example of that kind of thing. I recommend, well, if you have a morbid curiosity, I recommend you look into a, a cartoon film called Felix the Cat. <laughs> I, think, I believe it came out in the 80s or 90s or something, but it is one of the worst sound designed projects I have seen. Because there, there's a scene where like the characters are talking and this character is in the background jumping on this robot trash can, making the most aggravating noises. And you're like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> why, why is this important? And why is this louder than the characters talking? Just, just for anybody listening, that character would probably be me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm, I'm very familiar with Felix the Cat and, uh, not recommended for younger audiences. That's, that's, that's all I'll say on that. But um, no, I mean that that's I absolutely get what you're saying. Where where it definitely distracts. I mean, I'm I'm thinking like even in in live action films and and TV shows, where almost the background scene is either distracting or more interesting than what's going on in the front because it's drawing the attention away from the story you're supposed to be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. You know, and and. I could definitely see where a sound effect would do that. Um, especially like, a, like one of the things I was thinking about was like, uh, the old school Japanese animations that I used to watch growing up, like, uh, 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 star blazers, uh, mm. Transor Z, um, where a lot of the sound effects were like explosions and the laser fire and all would drown out everything. You was a sign. It was a time when just the sound mixing for early cartoons were not great because they didn't have a lot of experienced people on that side. A lot of people don't put, uh, pay a great deal of attention to sound. It's actually kind of surprising because when if there's like a, a bad shot or something, I mean, yeah, but it's it's usually few and far between. But like bad sound design, that's something you really pay attention to. It's really hard to pull away from it. No, you're absolutely right, and and that that that's what was drawing me to it. Like I'm sitting there thinking of, uh, like the first season of Voltron. You know, and, <laughs> like and, you mean like early Voltron? Because I know they remade that series for Netflix. Right. No, I mean the original Voltron. I mean before the car Voltron, Lion Voltrons. And, or like, because uh, uh, I'm thinking of a couple myself, like Beast Wars and Reboot, where some of their sound design was like. Mm, could have been better, but <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's I'm, kind of weird when like I'm going through my libraries and I hear sounds that they used from, from their uh, show. And I'm like, wow, that is, um, I can't not think of this show when I hear the sound effect. <laughs> right. 
Well, is there there any sound? I definitely got to ask that one then. Are there any sounds that you just automatically like, even from your own shows, where you attached it to a certain scenario or something like that, and now you can't unhear it as a sound effect for anything else? Kind of like the Wilhelm scream, if you will. I got two. I got two. I got two. Um, one is this this alarm sound that I have, where it's just this constant e, but it's it's definitely like sounding like computerized and all that stuff. And it's right. the same alarm sound that they use in reboot the animated series when a GameCube is coming down and they have to go inside the game and and fight the user and all that stuff to keep the to to keep the server from getting blown up for some reason. That's how that works. I never figured out why. <laughs> So I've been I've been going through that series again recently because the whole series is free on YouTube, and nice. it it gets good. Like it gets really good later on. Like they understood what they were doing with that series by the time they got through like the first season. Right on. Like it, it it's not like anything like really hard hitting. Like it's it's certainly no Avatar: The Last Airbender, but they they have fun with their premise. Not to mention the guy who played the voice of Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame's the main villain, and he hands it up like nobody else. Because <laughs> <laughs> he plays Megabyte in that. He's just oh how rude. I was hoping to we can do something pleasant together. As <laughs> something along the lines of that. Like he's just so fun to listen to. But uh, the other one is that like anytime – one of the biggest problems in a lot of cartoons is that they they all draw sound effects from the same libraries. Right. And the thing that drives me nuts about it is when you go into the creature sounds. Now, I'm talking like ev- for some reason every T-Rex sounds like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. Every uh, mo- Every bear sounds like it's got the same sounds. Every wolf has the same wolf sounds. And it's – it's, it can be aggravating because the moment you hear certain creature sound effects, you're like, I, I know what that is. And it's immediately pulling me out of it. Right. Like a great example of this is that you ever see the Babadook? No, no, that I've not seen. So the Babadook is a movie about this Australian woman dealing with a very troubled child after, uh, after she had lost her husband. And they read this really terrifying children's story about this creature called the Babadook, which lives in like your closet and other things like that and does horrific things. And it's, it's legitimately a scary movie. Like it is an unpleasant, stressful experience all the way to the end. And I love every second of it. But then you get a point where you see the monster and they play this generic pterodactyl roar. And I'm like, and that has killed all of the tension this movie had. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. Why did you put that in there? Right. Now, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm, I, again, I'm thinking about it, and, and you brought it up, so now it's stuck in my head. It's the Wilhelm scream. I've always attached and associated the Wilhelm scream with uh, Steven Spielberg slash, well, not just Star Wars, but like Steven Spielberg slash uh, uh, George Lucas films. Yeah. Like if I hear it in Indiana Jones, I don't bat an eye because, you know, it's Spielberg and Lucas. You know, if I hear it in it, which it wasn't in, but you know, if I hear it in E.T., it's like, well, Spielberg makes sense. But when I hear it on something like uh, Lord of the Rings. As example, you're like that's, I, you're like that's distracting. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a running gag with sound designers. Like it's it's a very running, it's a very easily running gag. And there are some times when like some of those screams work. 
Right. Like uh, Rick and Morty uses a lot of generic screams for a lot of their stuff when people are getting killed or dying or something like that. And they're fun. Like they, they, they're, they're a little bit silly. They're a little bit cheap sounding, but that's by design. It's the, the key difference between doing it because you're lazy and doing it because you want to tell a joke. No, you're absolutely right. And, and, but that, you know, it's like, I, I get exactly what you mean by like that similar sound. And, or, or it's not even sounds like I've, I've, I've heard, well, it is sounds, but I mean, I've heard, uh, like the most mundane sound that I was like, I know I've heard that somewhere before and it, it instantly like yeah. kills, kills the, uh, the suspension of disbelief, if you will. If there's anything that really, uh, drives me up a wall when I'm a sound as a sound designer, as I'm watching a movie and I hear, I hear a sound design of something and I go, that's not what I would have done or that, that doesn't fit. Um, cause there's a lot of sound effects where just you, you listen to it and it's, Oh, it's so good. Like, uh, listening to the shotgun from the expendables, the, the, the fully automatic shotgun that Terry Crews uses. Right. Like it's, Oh my God. I described it once as it just sounds like pure sex. <laughs> you just listen to it and it's just, wow, that it's an amazing firearm. <laughs> But, uh, but then like you hear something that just does not fit and you just, I just can't help. But instead of me being in the movie, I'm just thinking of ways that I would have done it differently. Uh, with the ways that I would have changed it. Like, uh, for example, um, when I, I got assigned to work on a VR project for a short called delusions lies within, okay. uh, it's this really interesting story where you get into this VR headset and you watch a movie of these two characters going into a house where every single room is a different section of this madman's storytelling. And each one's like a different ho- like horror-themed thing going on. There's this one character where they go into this library where the the character is like this 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 thing this beast made out of firewood where it's constantly on fire. Like it's, it's smoldering and it's trying to like lurch over and grab them and stuff. And the, and the original sound that they had just sound like this very strained old man. But they had told me that the story behind this character was that she was a young girl who had been tossed into a fire by her parents who were trying to get away from a danger in this story. And she became part of the fire. So, I, what I did was I integrated the sounds of like bellows, like, uh, like wind bellows, like the, those kind of like, uh, piston things that blows air into a fireplace right? as part of her breathing. And I found some old recordings of little girls screaming and I stretched them out and I mutated them so that like when, when she, when she roars out, you hear the sound of the fireplace, like getting hotter and like, but it's also melded with like this distant scream that there's a little part of this tortured girl's soul in there still. Oh, wow. There's like a lot of thought put into some design stuff like that. And I love doing that for so many of my things where I'm trying to extrapolate what story is being told through these character sound designs. Uh, go, going back to Hasbun Hotel, since I know that's the hot ticket right now. <laughs> um, uh, Angel Dust is this gay slutty spider who is the first tenant of the has-been hotel um 
almost all of his sound design are like people making lewd moaning sounds, uh, zippers, uh, <laughs> vinyl as he's moving around, like uh, like stuff that you would hear in a porno. Right. Like there's even a part where he does like this the 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 air quotes with his fingers, and I make like this. Like they're almost like he's almost like he's fingering something oh. <laughs> and it's, it's gross, but it adds so much to the character. Nice. Uh, one of the running gags that I had in is whenever he said a, whenever he said a, uh, uh, an innuendo, which there were a lot of, uh, you'd hear the sound of a zipper, but I played around with that at one point where probably one of the best lines in the, in the short, uh, Serpentius grabs him with a, a chain and whips him across the, the, the street and slams him down on the ground. And Angel Dust goes, oh, harder, daddy. And Pentius responds, son. And the sound that comes after is the zipper sound in reverse. Like uh, every time that he, he makes one of those jokes, the, those innuendos, you hear like the zipper come down. But in this time, it's just, nope, going up. I'm not, I'm not touching that. <laughs> <laughs> Officially turned off. <laughs> well, we we've, we've been spending a lot of time on 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 sound design, which is your bread and butter, as you stated. But I mean, that's not all you do in the animation community. Like uh, like you had mentioned earlier, you do do some voiceover work, or or some character voices, like like uh, you do with uh, uh, Magna Magnus Algar. Magnus Algar, where you you're you're basically the expo- exposition slash narrator. Have you done any other like uh, uh, voice acting within, uh, you know, uh, Hazmat Hotel or uh, Hell of a Boss or anything of that? Well, um, I or do a lot even of beyond non- your own stuff. <laughs> I do a lot of nonverbal lines in Hell of a Boss and Hazmat Hotel. Like, I if you hear like a person screaming or something, chances are it's me. Uh, I, I play as like this little ghost in the background for for uh has been hotel i'm also like this big deep booming voice that says new arrival at the very beginning um i i do a lot of those small bits because it's like not something that they need casting for but they want to get it out of the way and I'll, I'll do my voices on time from time to time just to make it work um but i've done other i've done other voice work i i've done um I've done commercials for like Samsung and uh, for Apple and a couple others, but they're like very small internet projects. Okay. Um, but the ones that I've done, like I've done a couple of voices on my own show, Megas Elgar. I play three voices on that. Um, one of which dies horribly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also do uh, a couple of voices for an audio drama called The Call of the Flame, okay. which is a it's a beautifully designed uh, uh, high fantasy experience where I got to play as like this this very uh, decrepit vampire king where my voice had gone up into this region sounding like I was ageless. <coughs> mm, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I usually need to be more hydrated to do that voice. <laughs> right. right. I get that. But I also do like uh, the voice of uh, a character that's a little bit spoilery in it, but it's like this guy who had been drowned and had been coming and had come back to life and has this like very deep and intimidating voice with slurs. Also because he has tusks, but. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, the, the, the big thing that we, we, we've talked about has been hotel and we've, we've talked about, uh, the other projects. Let's talk about a hell of a boss for a bit. Okay. Uh, this, this, if I'm understanding correctly, hell of a boss is kind of your newer project. 
that was the newest one that I did with with Vivian. Um, right after Hasbin Hotel was finished, she wanted me to jump on Hell of a Boss because she loved she really liked my work. Um, now Hell of a Boss was a lot more focused. Um, there was a lot more structure, and they they basically took everything they learned from the process of Hasbin Hotel and whipped this thing out in less than a year. Uh, at least that's the story that I've heard about it. I, I could be, I, I could be uh, paraphrasing in some parts, in some parts, but they wanted to take that process of everything that they had learned on hell of a, on has been hotel and bring it to this. And they have some really hard hitting, uh, performers on there. You've got Brandon Rogers, you've got, uh, Richard Horvitz, may, uh, who's the voice of invader Zim. Nice. Um, and they're, they're just, they are a talented bunch uh, saying lots of curse words and stuff like that. If you're not familiar with Brandon Rogers, like he's this absolutely delightfully offensive comedian who does nothing but like the raunchiest, most offensive content you could find on YouTube. <laughs> like, I think one of my favorite bits is like he plays this CEO where he dresses as this woman that just does not have a soul. She's, she's walking down the street. And it's like, Donovan, hang on. I, I, I see a gay man across the street and she puts the phone down and goes, it doesn't get better. <laughs> Jeez. and that's just like one of the lighter bits of 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 brandon rogers gamut of things and if you like brandon rogers hell of a boss is definitely like an like that energy brought into an animation very nice. and it was it was a lot of fun to work with but uh, one of the big things about that one was i wanted to draw back my madcap over the top sound design and really contain myself and really challenge myself. Cause a lot of times what I'll often do when I'm, I'm sound designing is I will give as much as I could possibly give and then have the director or like whoever's like reviewing it with me ask to dial it back and then we'll dial it back and dial it back until we got where we want. So that way you're never feeling like you're lacking something. Right. Better, and hell of a boss. I, one more. Yeah. And hell of a boss, we ended up like adding a couple of small things, but like uh, a lot of the, we didn't do the acoustic signature thing that I did with Hasbin Hotel where every character has like their own specific set of sound effects. Um, and we only did like cartoony sound effects every once in a while, like only when it really felt warranted um, so that like not every mo motion uh, would fit. Um, but we also did like little, little cute things. Like I think I had, uh, one of the, this, this, uh, hellhound character, Luna, she's texting all the time. And I actually, uh, put some, uh, Morse code in one of the scenes. <laughs> I could see Morse code for people with texting that, that, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, but, what, what's what's shocking me about it is that how have I never put that together before until you said it? Well, there's a lot of people that like put clues and stuff in their sound design just just as something to to do to add to the the experience. Like one that I had a lot of respect for was uh, Hans Zimmer. Uh, you ever see the movie Inception? Yes. So Hans Zimmer took the song that they used to wake them up the non je rien. Right. He actually went and found the original LP of that in, in France. Okay. And he, he, he brought it in and stretched it out as far as he could to hear what it would sound like. Cause in the dream world, time moves more slowly. 
So if right. you hear the song, you're not actually hearing the song in real time. You're hearing like a slowed down version of it. Okay. And as you go deeper, you hear it slower and slower and slower. And if you stretch out that song, the, the beat is the actual main beat they use for the composing in that, in that movie. Oh, wow. The blah, blah. It's actually that song slowed down of what it would sound like. That's and they just added an orchestral backing to it. That's impressive. Like that's that's thought. That's something you put a lot of thought into. That that is impressive. I never knew that. I really never knew that. I always thought it was just some uh, sound effects that sound effect that now it's been. You know, we were talking about sound effects that are overused. Almost every trailer uses that in some format Aww, now. Yeah. yeah. But to know that that was originally just, you know, a super slowed down version of that song, that's really impressive. Like they use that to make the sheet music and that's just, that's just impressive to me. That is cool. So uh, we are coming up on the hour mark here. So I definitely, I know we have some, I know we have some other things we want to get in here. Uh, You had mentioned to me before we, we uh, started recording, you had mentioned to me that you were getting set up to do a live stream. Yes, that's right. Um, tomorrow, uh, that is November 27th at around 3 p.m. E- uh, Pacific time or 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm going to be teaming up with Ashley Nichols, uh, who is an animator over at Too Loud, Ollie & Scoops, and Has Been Hotel to do an emer- a, uh, uh, a live stream to as a fundraiser to help a char- uh, to, as, as a charity stream. Uh, for an animal sanctuary in the California area, in, in the California or Seattle area, I can't remember the exact details of it, but we're we're trying to help out an an animal sanctuary, help them move to a new area, and and get them get them the funding they need to keep keep operating. That's that's cool. I'm, uh, um, most people who know me would tell you I love animals before more more than I do people. So <laughs> that that's that really hits home for me. What yeah, what's, if what's the goal? Well, uh, we don't, I don't really have a goal right now. We, they usually don't like put up a goal or just like, if you want to donate anything, anything, anything helps. Um, we're going to be having, uh, quite a few people there. I know that we're going to be having, uh, goose works who did the music for has been hotel. Um, the voice actor of angel dust and Alistair are going to be there as well. I think Vivian, uh, is going to be there once she finishes her flight. Okay. Uh, cause she's, she's going home for the holidays. Um, and I know, uh, I think that, um, a couple others might be there. I'm definitely going to be there. Uh, and, uh, we, we've got a lot of fun things planned. We'll usually like take requests or we'll sing or we'll, we'll do like, we'll talk about whatever. Uh, we might talk about a, a hell of a boss or other things like that, or even whatever projects that we've been doing. That's really cool. I, I'm going to have to check that out. And, uh, if people maybe can't make it to the live stream, but they still want to help or donate, um, do you do you know uh, contact information for people to do so, or you know uh, that you could say on air here, or you know send me the information that I could put it in the descriptions. I can I can send you the information. I can also uh, tell you that um, Ashley is usually pretty good about having the the donation links in the description. Okay. Um, for where for where you can pitch in for that. Okay. Great. Absolutely, that that's something. And, and you said it, it's 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 basically going to be completely I- I- impromptu, just whatever people 
requests yeah. are due and you guys are going to do. So it's not like it's a planned out like episode or 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 uh, no 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 no. It's it's just us drama. having fun. Uh, it's it's a really great time because like a lot of people are just talking or taking requests and like doing skits. Like some people will ask us to say li- ask people to say lines or reenact something or ask questions about the show, and we'll just do whatever. Um, what's really fun is that a lot of people who watch the streams will take segments from the live stream and animate them as animatics. Oh, nice. and those are always a blast to watch. Like if you look up uh, has like Ashley Nicole streams, there's like tons of animatics on YouTube. But yeah, if you want to watch the stream, it's uh, tomorrow at uh, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. If you just look up Ashley Nicole's art or something like that or just has been streams or Honeycast or, or anything like that. Again, we'll, we'll have the descriptions uh, in the uh, – we'll, we'll have the links in the descriptions below. <laughs> so that way, in case you uh, want to check that out, which I highly recommend – because it sounds like it's going to be a blast. I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be checking it out. But uh, before before I give the outro here, I've got I got to have a little fun. I, I I want I want a little taste of tomorrow. If you're up to it. All right. I I know you got some voices in you, so I'll let you choose the voice. And I'll even let you choose the dialogue. But let let let's let's have a little fun. I want you to give me a small speech in one of your favorite characters. And in that speech, I don't want it to be something that your character would normally say. Think like Liam Neeson's infamous lines in Taken. Now, I don't mean to do Taken, but I'm just saying, like, choose choose a speech you'd I got like some, to give. I got something. All right, cool. Something. This is the message to someone who had visited my house without giving me the opportunity to come and greet them. I'm unsure who you are, and I don't know why you had decided to come into my home. But I want you to know that it has not gone forgotten. I'm going to go out of my way and find every waking second of my life dedicated to finding who you are and why you are here. And when I come meet you, I'm going to take you out to dinner like I should in the first place because I am a gracious host. And I hope you understand that. That is my warning. I'm coming for you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you? Well, uh, you can always visit my website at kennedyphillips.org. Uh, that's where I've got my uh, showcasing my reels for voice acting, sound design, and video editing, which is also a thing I do. Uh, you can go to MagusElgar.com to download your copy of Magus Elgar, where season one in its entirety is available wherever audiobooks are sold, wherever pods are cast. You could visit us on YouTube, on Spotify, or iTunes to see wonderful trailers talking about the world and also seeing the animations. And you can also find me on Twitter as Magus Serling or Instagram as the exact same thing. Uh, and please feel free to take a look at some of my other stuff. I really hope that you decide to listen to Magus Elgar. Um, it's been a passion project of mine and I, I want to get enough of a following going so that I can continue doing this kind of thing because I like writing the funnies that may eventually become the movie pictures, moving pictures for cartoons and such. <laughs> I'm down with that. Um, that. That plug collapsed pretty quickly. I apologize. No, that's, a, that's quite all right. It's You know what? It kind of fit with the whole theme. <laughs> it really did. Yeah, um, 
because it, it almost felt like uh, the Magnus Algar thing where it's like, I've got this plan, it's grand, it's adventurous, and no, that didn't work so well. Let me just put a sign that says, bridge is not a bridge. <laughs> See, I told you, I got that joke. <laughs> and of course, guys, yep. you, uh, breaking the fourth wall, you can find us on Realm of the Mist Entertainment's YouTube channel, along with all the other great podcasts. And of course, uh, check out our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, which is where we have all our great D&D content, tabletop uh, role-playing content, where you could hear us miserably trying to do voice acting like like Kennedy here. Uh, <laughs> and of course, be sure can... to watch Beyond the Fourth Wall and be sure to make sure that you stay at an arm's length so that you can witness the adventure in safe company. There you go. And of course, if you have an uh, a need for the audio versions, you could check us out, Realm of the Mist Entertainment, on Anchor.fm, iTunes, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Mr. Phillips, thank you very much. This was an absolute blast, and please, please do not be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again. It's been a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to it again. Maybe I'll have something else on the docket that I can showcase. Oh, absolutely. And if not, we could just continue to talk about what you do have. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Thank All you right. very much, guys, and we'll catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Stay tuned, acolytes.